the series, Who Needs God? It's looking at the whole idea that somehow, some way, science has moved us beyond our need for God. And so we started last week with the idea that has science disproved God? And we looked at things like the Big Bang, um, the order and design of the universe, what makes us human. And what we learned is that science doesn't disprove God. It actually points us to God. If we look at the Bible and at science, both critically and without uh, reading into it our own bias and and. What we learned is that there is a God of science. Now, the God of science does not make science a God. The God of science is the God who puts scientific principles and laws into place. It's the God who, through scientific observation, can actually be glimpsed. Here's what it says in the book of Romans. From the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly observed and what he made, we can get a glimpse of God, his qualities, his attributes, his power, if we'll look unbiasedly at the world around us. And so this morning, we're going to look at uh, the idea that there is no place for God in creation. We're going to look at a section in scripture that seems to be the sticking point when it comes to believing the biblical story of creation found for us primarily in, in the first two books, of, uh, first two chapters of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, because what science suggests is that life formed here on earth some 3.8 or so billion years ago from a single-celled prokaryotic organism, and from there all life evolved. The Bible tells us that God created life. What some people will tell you the Bible says is that not only did God create life, but that as a result, the Bible is only, or the world, the earth is only some 6,000 years old. And therein lies the point of contention where one would say we're at an impasse. This is incompatible but is that true or is there more to the story than we, than we recognize and we, and we realize? Because if there is an impasse, it means either you embrace and believe science, which means you can reject the inspiration and authority of God's word, at least when it comes to the creation story. But the problem is if you can reject the inspiration and the authority of, the, of God's word, the Bible, when it comes to cre the creation story, you can feel free to reject its inspiration and authority in any area. It's like what it says about a man named Jesus. So the other option is I reject science and I embrace faith, which makes you feel like you have to check your brain at the door. I've talked to people who said it's so embarrassing. I don't even know what to tell my kids because they go to school, or when I was going to school, you know, I'd be confronted with the scientific information, and I just, oh, I don't believe it. So it's almost as if I can't think intellectually if I embrace faith. But what if that's a false dichotomy? What if those things aren't really at odds? What if there is a way in which the Bible and science actually come together beautifully? The problem is, and, and starts when we read the Bible as a scientific textbook. Please hear me. The Bible reveals truth, absolutely, but the Bible is not a textbook. The Bible is not meant to be read 
as a textbook. The Bible is meant to inspire and reveal. So when it comes to creation, when it comes to science, when it comes to all the stuff around us, take this to heart. The Bible points us to who? Science points us to how? The Bible points us to who? Who created? And it reveals God. Science attempts to point us to how creation happened. Vastly different realities. Someone sent me a book for my birthday, and I'm so appreciative of it. And there's a quote in there by Alistair McGrath, and, and it says this. Science is really good at taking things apart so that we can see how they work. Faith puts them back together so that we can see what they mean. So the problem happens when we try and turn a reading of the Bible into a scientific treatise. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit. The reason we do that is because I think most of us, probably all of us here, are Western in our thinking. But the Bible isn't a Western book. Now, what I mean by that is Western thinking, the Western mindset. Those of us who are from European, um, a lot of African, certainly um, North American descent, we are so influenced by Western thinking. Our whole world is, really. And so Western thinking is formed by the Greek mindset and the Latin mindset. The Greek mindset is all about uh, description, explanatory in nature. What did something look like? What was its size? What's its dimensions? What's its mass? The Latin mindset is all about uh, methodology. How does it work? What's the process? What are the steps? That is how we think as Westerners. You see it throughout the uh, uh, academics. That's, that's how we process information with a Greek and Latin mindset. And then what we do is we take that and bring it to our reading of the Bible. The size, the shape, the look, the, what, 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 what was the processes? What were the steps? The problem is the Bible is not a Western book. It's a Hebrew book. It's a book written by Easterners. And the Hebrew mindset is vastly different than a, a Greek or Latin mindset. A Hebrew mindset doesn't care so much about explanation and description and methodology. A Hebrew mindset cares about function. Why is this here? What does it do? Does it accomplish what it's intended to accomplish? And all of the Bible, even the New Testament, which may have been written in Greek, was penned by uh, Eastern thinkers. It's why when you read the Gospels, the four biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, not one of them, it's amazing to me, not one of them give a physical description of Jesus. Do you know why? Because it would have never entered the mind of a, Jew, of a Hebrew writer, a Jewish writer to include that. It didn't matter. What mattered was what did Jesus come to accomplish? Why is he here? And did he accomplish what he accomplished. That's, that's the whole way the Bible needs to be read. But we read it with this Western way of thinking. So now when it comes to science, when it comes to the story of creation, we want to read it as Westerners. What's the process? How did this happen? What was step one, step two, step 102? And, and, and it doesn't work. So what I want to do is I want to read... The, the story of creation. Now, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit because I don't want to keep you forever. But um, uh, we're going to read through it 
because I want you to see that if you look at it from a Hebrew perspective, there are two main takeaways from the creation story. So here it is. It's in Genesis chapter one, and then uh, on into chapter two. In the beginning, everyone say God created. God created. God created the heavens and the earth. God said, everyone say God said. God said. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, God saw that the light was good and there was evening and there was morning on the first day. Everyone say day. Now, as we read the rest of this, when you see the words in yellow, say them with me. And God said, let there be a vault or a sky between the waters to separate water from water. And it was so. And there was evening and there was morning. The second day and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. And it was so, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the sky. And it was so, and God said that it was good. Are you seeing a pattern? And there was morning and uh, evening the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness and it was so, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And thus, the heavens and the earth were complete in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, there's a lot there, but what are the two main takeaways? God said... It was good. Why is it here? God said. Does it work? Does it accomplish why it's here? It was good. When you read the story of creation, that's the answers it's giving you. It's not, there, you know, there's nothing in there. We skipped some stuff, but you could read it. There's nothing that tells you the processes, the methodology, the way in which he created it just says, God said, and it was. There you go. God created, it was good. God said, it was good. It was so, it was very good. It doesn't tell us how, because the Bible points us to who, not how. In other words, you can think about it like this. The Bible reveals God as creator, not how he created God is the creator. It doesn't tell us how he created. The problem is we want it to tell us how because we're Westerners. We're Greek and Latin in our thinking. And if it doesn't tell us how, then it leaves us confused. It leaves us wondering. We want to know the how, but the Bible isn't designed to tell us the how. It's designed to reveal us to us who, who created, and it reveals that to us in a beautiful way. So what happens is we want it to be Western. We want it to be a Western story. And so we begin to take things from the Bible, 
from the creation story and try to force them into a Western mindset. So take, for example, the word that we said over and over and over again, day. As Westerners, we automatically think a day means a 24-hour solar block of time, a 24-hour solar day, the time it takes the earth to revolve on its axis, 24 hours. When we hear the word day, that's what we assume. And so therefore, what we do is we take that block of time, and there's six of them. On the seventh day, God rested. So maybe there's seven. It's a little unclear because it never says that the seventh day began and ended. It just says the seventh day. But let's just say it ended. So there's seven of those. And we add up all the genealogies from the Bible. And we say, oh, the earth is 6,000 years old. But a Hebrew thinker would never assign 24-hour value to the term day. Because hours aren't mentioned. If hours were important, it would have been told. So they just say it was a day. Whatever that day was. We don't know. It was a day. But we, we don't think like that. And so what happens is we, we try and, and come up with these methods, these processes. And then when science comes up with a different process, we go, there's conflict. And it, and it doesn't line up. And so the Bible is either true and science is a lie or science is true and the Bible's a lie. But that's not the case at all. Or it doesn't have to be. See, that, that whole issue with, with day, right? We want it to be 24 hours. But it may not be. It may just be a, a block of time. See, people will say, but, but the, the Bible says, the Bible teaches us that the earth is young, that the earth is like 6,000 years old. That's what the Bible tells us, but it doesn't. Remember, the Bible reveals God as creator, not how he created. Or you can think about it like this. The Bible reveals that God created the earth, not the age of the earth. There's nowhere, 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 nowhere in the Bible where you could find where it says the age of the earth is thus. If God wanted us to know the age of the earth was thus, do you think God would have told us the age of the earth is thus? He's like God. He wouldn't be like, oh, it's a lot of counting. I'll leave that to them because it's too big of a number for me. No, God, God knows. The Bible isn't intent on telling us the age of the earth. It's intent on telling us who created the earth. God created it in all its beauty and all its vast array and all of its intricacy. God created it. It's not about the age of the earth. But we, we want to force the issue because it, 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 we want it to tell us the process. But that's not the intent. And so people will say, but aren't we supposed to take the Bible literally? I mean, aren't we supposed to take the Bible literally? My answer to that is an unequivocal yes, no, yes. We already take it literally. No, we're not. No, when the Bible is clearly using allegory or some type of hyperbole. You don't take those things literally. You know it's, it's metaphor. It's clearly metaphor, so you don't take it literally. Yes, when it is about revealed truth, then you absolutely hold on to that. 
We take that literal. But if you say we have to take this as literal 24-hour blocks of periods of time, well, the problem is this. If it's a 24-hour solar day, you know there was, according to the text, there was no sun or moon until the fourth day. So how do you have a literal 24-hour solar day? And I think God knew that. He wrote the book. So, or, or right, what did we read? On the seventh day, God rested. Do we take that part literally? That the omnipotent, all-powerful, never uh, slumbers or sleeps, God needed rest? Well, no, that's figurative. Okay. <laughs> that's figurative. So we, we try and force the issue. Even, even to this day, and it's amazing to me, to this day, you know how the Jewish people reckon time? They reckon a day? A day starts in the evening because of this passage that we just read. A day for the Hebrew people starts in the evening. There was evening and morning. The day starts in the evening. It's a new day. But what the author, what God is trying to tell us is a truth. Evening represents darkness. Something's missing. There's quietness. There's stillness. So God looked and he said, there's something missing. And by the end of creation, I created something. Now it's full. Now it's the way it should be. Nothing's missing that I want. And so that creation process has stopped. The next day, God looks and says, there's something missing. There's something I want to add. And in the morning, the light comes. It's full. It's life. It's, it's, it's meaningful. It's done. That's what it represents. So it's telling us when God looked, he said, I want to create something. I want to create something, and I'm going to use this process. But shouldn't we take the Bible literally? Yes and no. Sometimes we don't take it literally enough. If you look at the original language of Hebrew, the word that we translate day is the word yom. It can and often is translated uh, to mean a 24-hour day. But it can also mean a segment of time, an indefined segment of time, a week, a month, a year, a, a, a millennium, an epoch, an age. So isn't it possible that what the writer is telling us is there was an age of creation. It could have lasted hundreds of millions of years, tens of millions of years. But in that time, God looked and said, there's something that I want to add. And when he finished adding that, that day was done. In other words, it didn't all happen at once. And you know what? That's what the Bible tells us. It didn't all happen at once. And you know what? That's what science tells us. It didn't all happen at once. There's nothing, nothing, nothing in the Bible that makes us hold to a young earth belief. There are people who will tell you it does, but it doesn't. There's nowhere in the Bible. And if you read it different with a critical mind, unbiased, all of a sudden, it removes the supposed tension between science and the Bible. The scientific discovery, the geological record, and the astronomical record all come in alignment. Now, let me also say, it is entirely, entirely, entirely possible that God created everything with the appearance of age. Absolutely. You look at Adam, fully formed, standing there. So how old is Adam? I don't know. He looks like he's about 30. No, he's a newborn. He, he was created yesterday. So is it possible that God created everything with the appearance of age, that it didn't take billions of years for the light of the stars to travel here, that God instantly made it appear in the sky? Absolutely. 
But it's also possible that God worked through huge blocks of time. There is no contradiction with science if we will look at the Bible with, an, with, a, with a clear eye. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it says this about God. And I like the J.B. Phillips translation. It says, time is not the same with the Lord as it is with us. To him, a day may be a thousand years and a thousand years a day. To him, a day could be an epoch. To him, a day could be a million years. It's God. I mean, he's not bound by our sense of time. So when God says it was a day, was it a thousand years? Was it a day? Was it a million years? Was it five million years? Does it matter? What matters is who created it. And who created it is a loving God who created it perfectly for us, who loves us and desires a relationship with us. Now that brings up the, the, what seems to be often the, the main issue when it comes to Christianity, the Bible, belief in the Bible, and science. And it's the whole idea of evolution. That people will tell you, uh, evolutionary biologists will tell you that the, the galaxy was formed some 14 billion years ago. Uh, the earth was formed some 4.5 billion years ago, 3.8 billion years ago. That single cell proteonic uh, single cell organism formed. And then from there, life began to evolve. And about 570 million years ago, life as we know it evolved. The Bible, on the other hand, says God created. So there seems to be an impasse. So let me just say this, because I want to go on record. The Bible clearly, 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 clearly states that God created the human race. Absolutely, 100%, I stand on that truth. God created mankind. God created humanity. There's no accident. It wasn't chance. God created. God divinely created he created starting with the original couple, Adam and Eve. This isn't just uh, figurative language because it's reiterated throughout the Bible. It's clearly stated. So the issue then is not evolution versus the Bible. The issue is naturalistic evolution versus the Bible because naturalistic evolution says that there is no outside guiding force that led the process. But you can, you can be someone who says, I believe in theistic evolution, that God guided the process. But either way, if you're a Christian, if you believe the Bible, if you uh, hold true that it is the inerrant, unchanging, timeless word of God, the Bible teaches us that God created Ergo, you are, whether you tell yourself you are or not, wear the label or not, I don't care. You are a creationist. You believe that someone, God, led, designed, guided the creation process. What we don't know are the methods with which God created. So when you talk to someone who is a naturalistic evolutionary in their belief, they believe it all happened by chance they will come across as making it sound as if they stand on the side of science. This is the scientific discovery. But the truth is it takes more faith to believe in naturalistic evolution than in creationism, that there was a God guiding the process, whatever that process was. The more science discovers, 
the more it points to the need for God. Take, for example, the timeline, right? We just talked about it. All these billions of years. That sounds like a long time because it is a long time. But the problem is when it comes to naturalistic evolution, the, the two things it requires are time and chance. And there is not enough time in the evolutionary timeline for it to work. Sir Fred Hoyle, the, Plumian, the former Plumian professor of astrophysics at Cambridge University, did a, a, a statistical analysis. And he said the, for, for the 200,000 amino acids to come together by chance to form a single human cell would require... 239.5 times the, the, the known age of the earth. In other words, it's a statistical impossibility. The earth hasn't been around long enough for life to have happened by chance. Add to that the discoveries in microbiology. Evolutionary theorists uh, posit that, uh, that life evolved from simple to complex. The problem is that the more microbiologists discover, the more they realize even the most simple organisms that we know are vastly complex, more complex than a sports car, more complex than a, a smartphone. So if you could imagine taking all the parts of a, of a car already made, already designed, perfectly cut, putting them into a giant container and shaking that container until they all came together to form a sports car. That is what microbiology says would have had to happen in order for the most simple life form to evolve. Evolution says it goes from simple to complex, but you can't start with complex. But everything that we discover about the world and creation points to complexity, which points to a designer, which points to God. And then there's one last question that we all need to wrestle with when it comes to does creation have a place for God or does it basically push God out of the equation? And here it is. How did, God, how did life come from non-life? How did life come from non-life? We have no idea how Organic material could all of a sudden become self-replicating life. There is no scientific notion, understanding, theory, process that is currently known. It's amazing to me when you read the creation story, right? It says God created the beasts of the field from the dirt, from the soil. It says God created man took dust and formed it and breathed into man whew, the breath of life. So if you believe in theistic evolution, everything evolved over time, but God was guiding the process, that's no problem because at some point God said, now, here, I'm gonna breathe into man a uniqueness unlike any other create, uh, creature that I've created. I'm gonna breathe into him a soul. Whew, and I'm gonna press into him my image and likeness. He will be altogether different. But it's amazing to me what the Bible tells us is that life came from organic material. Science can't explain how life came from organic material, but the Bible does. The Bible clearly does. Here's what it says in John. Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to know how life came from non-life? Look to Jesus. Jesus. 
Look to Jesus. He is the answer. He brings sense to the chaos. Was God involved in the process or did it all happen by chance? That's a, that's a belief you're gonna have to grasp on your own. But I'm telling you, it takes more faith to believe that it all happened by chance than to look at all the scientific data and say there was someone, something, God, who brought life, who led the process and created everything that we see. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you would stand to your feet, I just wanna pray. This is a different kind of message. I hope it challenges you. I hope it gives you some things to think about. In just a few minutes, we're gonna close up and give you an opportunity if you'd like prayer. But I wanna pray for you. Because for some of you, this is some things you've never heard before and it's making you wrestle because you've held on to a staunch belief on something. For some of you, it's like, oh, thank God. I don't feel like I have to choose between science and faith. For some of you, you've had conversations with people and you say, this can answer some of the questions that they've asked. And for some of you, you've been asking questions and you finally say, I have an answer to my questions because the answers are always found in not a scientific book, but in a book that reveals truth. And the Bible reveals truth. So never be afraid to look to the Bible for the answers that you're looking for. Just don't look for the wrong answers in the wrong place. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy that is new every morning. I thank you that you created us uniquely, wonderfully made. God, we didn't happen by chance. We didn't just blow here on cosmic dust. God, you formed us, you created us. And you created this world in which we live, which we have a responsibility to take care of. And you placed us here. And God, for that, we are grateful. And more than that, you took the time to reveal what you did for us, what you've done for us and what you're doing for us through your word, the Bible. So God, I pray that we would be willing to look at it critically, unbiasedly, and allow it to not put up barriers between faith and science, but God, allow your word to tear them down because that's what it's intended to do, to remove the wall of hostility. So God, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you for who you are. Now let's worship God together.